Welcome to season seven of Jesus Has Left the Building. We'll hear from guests all over the country who've been engaging in creative, bold, and fluid, outside the box, I mean, outside the church building practices that have inspired us. Our topic of discussion has emerged out of intersectional feminism, leaning into feminist and womanist practices born out of the stories of women, ancient and modern, and are practiced by and include all people as we ritualize relationship. This is the Jesus Has Left the Building podcast, where ministers, womanists, feminists, activists, scholars, authors, and liturgy makers have left the building too, with Marta and Mandy. Today's episode, Unconference, features Aaron Bailey and Jen Fisher, the co-founders of Launchpad Partners. Launchpad provides coaching tools and resources to leaders who sense a calling to launch something new into the world. Whether that something is a church, an organization, a podcast, or yet to be determined. But whatever it is, something that is loudly and clearly inclusive, anti-racist, love and justice, and joy generating. We talk about Launchpad's most recent conference, which they call an unconference, and the ways that we can think outside of our own boxes to find relationship and meaning with others who are stepping out of their boxes too. Hello, Erin and Jen. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. I got wind of these two and their um, project called Launchpad Partners um, a few months ago and did a deep dive and started to build a relationship with them and said, I have to interview, I have to share you all with the world. And so I'm so glad that you are with us this morning. Um, it is morning here in Colorado and I think in most of your places, we're all, we're all in different places. Aaron is in... San Jose, Costa Rica. And Jen is in? Cincinnati, Ohio. And Mandy is in? <laughs> Lindsborg, Kansas, baby. <laughs> and here, here I am, Marta, in Colorado Springs. And so I just had to throw that out there because we're all from all different parts of the world. And that's super yeah. awesome. And I love that. And um, so tell us a little about your work in the world and what it means to you to lift up voices that have not been centered um, in, in your context or in your ministry traditionally. And, um, and yeah, you can just tag team on that question and, mm -hmm. and we'll just go from there. Great. Marta and Mandy, thanks so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Yep. Uh, so I grew up non-denominational, evangelical, Bible-believing, um, you know, somewhat fundamental uh, in Western Michigan um, and knew, it, church didn't really sit well with me. Um, uh, high school, I, I rebelled. I, I knew that I, I wasn't safe in that space. I wasn't, I, I wasn't accepted in that space fully, but I didn't quite know why. Um, went to a conservative college uh, that might as well have well been a, a conservative uh, Christian school, um, wasn't uh, affiliated though, 
And uh, towards my, the end of my senior year, I realized that I was gay. And I knew that if I came out in those spaces, uh, the, the school and the church that I was attending, that I would be completely rejected. So I very quickly found my way to New York City <laughs> and came kind of um, came out of the closet in, in a much safer place. Um, fast forward. So I, I left the church and uh, fast forward about 10 years. I wasn't going to a church. Um, uh, eventually found uh, Highlands Church in Denver, Colorado, and, uh, and, and things just really clicked in my life. Uh, suddenly I had a, a space, uh, an affirming space where I could be myself and worship alongside young and old, uh, LGBTQ and straight, cis, hetero um, friends and family. Uh, and it was just a really beautiful experience. Um, I was a technology entrepreneur and sold my last company and thought I was going to um, start another company and uh, eventually realized that I was feeling pulled towards um, this problem in the world of not enough places in the world, in the country, having inclusive faith spaces. So uh, I eventually... Uh, um, planted it, helped plant a church in Boulder County, Colorado. Uh, and then Jen and I met and really um, started to collaborate on what it would look like for a nonprofit to help others start churches and communities in the world. Yeah. So, and so I just want to, for our listeners out there, because a huge um, part of our listeners come from progressive mainline denominations. Mm -hmm. And so they are, they know these spaces that are open and affirming. And I think Highlands is a little bit unique um, in that it is not denominational, but it is a progressive non-denom. And yeah. I'm guessing, Aaron, that it was so comfortable because it was yeah. queer safe, but it also had some of those elements of your non-denom tradition yeah. that you are coming yeah. out of. Um, maybe at some point we'll interview the Highlands pastors to uh -huh. hear their story, but um, I think there is something unique to that church that probably pulled you in in a different way. Would you say that? Absolutely. Uh, I've, I've uh, in the last 20, 30 years, I've flirted on and off with mainline spaces and uh, I've never really felt at home. Um, I, I love what mainline spaces are doing um, around inclusion and they're so beautiful, uh, but I just don't feel that way because of my, my heritage, because of growing up non-denominational. So walking to Highlands Church where you had the, the vibe of, of um, non-denominational service, but the theology was far more inclusive. Um, it just felt like a home, but a, a safe home. So Jen, what about you? Yeah. So uh, I grew up in the ELCA. I grew up mainline Lutheran um, where women are pastors and conversations around LGBTQ inclusion started, I don't know, when I was in high school. I also grew up a theater kid. So I went to undergrad for theater performance and then uh, in Chicago, but then moved to New York City right after. So I was doing the theater thing for four or five years and somehow then 
well, not somehow, I know very clearly how I ended up in the church, but I ended up being a, joining a team of church planters with Forefront, uh, Forefront Brooklyn in NYC. So I was the, one of the founding staff members of that church, eventually became the associate pastor and was ordained. That was in 2012 and Forefront was planted out of a, a nonprofit, non-denominational church planting network that had a heritage, a, a much more conservative heritage and culture than I understood at all. Um, so when I fell into that, especially as a woman leader, even though I was attending Forefront for four-ish years at that point in Manhattan, I had no idea what evangelical culture was actually like. Um, I was drawn into those church spaces because I did a lot of ecumenical things as a teenager and loved the kind of worship that, that there was in those spaces, particularly at Forefront. The preaching taught me a lot. The, the worship leader, Brian and Allison Mall, who I'm still friends with today, um, it was amazing. And for a theater person, I got to like, I really found a space where I could drop down into myself, get out of my own head, out of, out of the vanity of the industry I was in and get back in touch with the call to service that I grew up with and, um, and found a space to actually be a leader. So for me, it was this really life-giving experience. I met my husband while planting the church. Uh, we experienced a, a miscarriage, but then we had our first son all while planting the church. And I often said that, that learning to pastor makes, made me a great mother because <laughs> now I have two boys, but pastoring a church and mothering a church definitely, uh, was a training ground for it just it felt a lot easier to learn how to be a mom after that <laughs> so we left in 2017 which was a really really hard decision and hard transition for us but we ended up in Indianapolis where I got a scholarship to get my MDiv that's a long story short but we spent most of the pandemic in Indianapolis uh, my husband was working for the seminary Christian Theological Seminary and we had our second child. And now through that whole process, we were launching Launchpad. It got started in the world around 2018, Aaron and I. So it's always been virtual. We were working virtual long before the rest of the world was. Um, and when the pandemic started, we really took off as more people in our network and our, and our colleagues were looking for more support. So we started developing coaching, launching partners, people who had these new interesting models of, of community starting to evolve in the world. And we just, we've spent, I don't know, hundreds of hours of conversation with faith leaders around the country and around the world. So we really, and we had the gift of not being leaders in a church space for a large part of the, the pandemic too. So while we were coaching, consulting and supporting faith leaders, we weren't responsible for a church and responsible for those big decisions. Um, so we had the energy to be able to be a support system for people through all of that. And after those hundreds of hours, as we continue to talk to people, we are learning about what's happening and how things are changing. And in the process too, my husband and my two boys and I have moved to Cincinnati where we're trying to put something that looks like local community together here. But um, everything that we learned from that evangelical church planting big box model, um, where we've rejected or are deconstructing and constantly processing within ourselves because it's just not what we line up with theologically or as leaders or personally spiritually anymore um, and the way that the pandemic has changed church we just feel really grateful to have the opportunity to get to be in these really exciting conversations about 
what the future could hold. So, yeah. But I would say Launchpad um, is more, um, you have collected a group of people to support and to help coach and to hold space for and to create a safe space for. But I would say these people in some ways, and I think this goes back to that question, these people, um, they needed their stories to be told. They needed their ideas to be heard. They needed their creative, innovative um, practices to be lifted up. And I think um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that is part of what Launchpad does is it collects, um, I don't know if I want to say misfits from the structures of mainline Christianity um, or more structured religious spaces. It collects those people and says, and sends the message yeah, it's okay to have these ideas. This is how I can help you make those ideas become real. Um, would you say that's part of centering those voices, centering those stories that Launchpad is really trying to do? So it's almost to me the way I see it. It's like our denominational United Church of Christ, um, that's my tribe. Those are my people, right? Um, and so um, in some ways you're making this whole new um, identity under Launchpad. Would you say that's the case? Yep, yep. And for us, we approach all of it from a very uh, relational perspective and theology, relational, context-oriented, culture-focused, and place-focused. So each person that we talk to, like we don't have one model that we're coaching them through. We're just listening to people. And oftentimes, Aaron and I will get off a conversation and feel like we provided nothing of value just now. And then they'll come back and say, oh my gosh, my mind is blown. Now I get it. And oftentimes the people we're talking to already have this great, brilliant thing going on in the world. And they just need someone to come along and organize their brain for them, organize their, their thoughts and kind of give them some of the really practical stuff or help them to um, sort out who they are as a leader in the midst of, of the practical stuff. But everyone we work with is already theologically there we're not sitting in that space of having to convince anybody to sit in this more progressive affirming inclusive space but they might have um you know more layers of it to walk through but for the most part our our people meet at the intersection of a commitment to lgbtq inclusion and a desire to be anti-racist and work in multi-ethnic shared leadership spaces and that's that's messy so um when you're united by values more than you are by doctrine or or right beliefs, then it creates, it, it makes for a much messier space. And so that's why relationship has to be so incredibly important because when we value relationship, we're gonna stick with it um, no matter how messy it gets. So, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, um, for our listeners out there, this is Marta and I had a few coaching sessions with Aaron and, Jen, and just, you know, on the very practical level, I was talking about preaching and um, just really feeling stuck in that um, traditional model of preaching that preaching that we were taught in seminary and that we were taught by our mentors that were predominantly men in my particular case and how I couldn't, I can't figure out how 
um, to be okay in that space as, as who I am as, as a, as a woman, as a small human being in that space. Um, and both Aaron and Jen really helped me. Um, I mean, they gave me some really great words, but also it really helped me think about how am I going to feel confident around articulating my style? And so, of course, I was sort of already on that road to thinking about it, but they just pushed it over the edge. And so um, that was one practical way that Launchpad Partners has helped me and um, in that coaching space. So even though I'm not doing a new start and I am still in the institution and I am still, and that was um, one area that they could help me think outside the box. We, we say that we're not experts and no one in 2022 is an expert because things are shifting so quickly. Uh, I think the, the place that Jen and I Hope to, that hope that we're sitting in is one of of account of of coming alongside and accountability and helping you to discover uncover what um, your context and community call for in that moment um, and connecting you with resources that we've heard about across the country. So we might have um, a coaching uh, partner in South Carolina who could benefit from knowing someone that we coach in Arizona. And so it's been really fun to, to make those connections across the country and to see collaboration happen with people who are doing sort of the same thing, but in very, very different contexts. So yeah, so thanks for that feedback, Marta, because especially for me, coaching women leaders is, is a big passion of mine. We have a cohort um, that I participate in. We have a facilitator for it, but we have six just really strong, incredible women who I feel like are pretty much going to change the world. Um, but for me, like understanding who I was or am as a woman leader has been such an evolution. And I think you talk about with your feminist theology, the feminist perspective to, to come in and to weave the fabric together and to lift people up and to find the spaces where you support and you can fill in the gaps, right? I mean, that's just kind of how we're oriented and how, how we function as women. And so much of church is not set up that way. So much of the world is not set up that way, especially in evangelical land. It's egotistical. It's about finding your own platform and your own voice and your own individual spirituality. Um, and it's just not, just not how I want to be wired. In fact, I like I left theater because I didn't want to be wired that way. What I love is teamwork and the magic of connecting with people and being in relationship. And I find God through community and relationship and relationship with, with creation. And so um, creating spaces where that's the emphasis and creating spaces then that ultimate mean, ultimately mean that there are space for healing as well is, you know, is what I'm, is what I want to be about. So, so thanks for that, Marta. I love that you, um, Jen and Aaron have both um, sort of like very much in your own ways um, have brought to the fore our theme for this season of the podcast, which is ritualizing relationship. Um, and um, just a like side note, kind of funny story. I was um, checking out your website because um, you you folks, Launchpad um, Partners is new to me. I had not um, had any connection with them until Marta brought them to um, into my radar. Um, but, you know, I'm like checking out the website and looking at things and, you know, one of the like 
um, red flags I have for checking out a community of faith is like most of the time when a website has their list of beliefs on their webpage, I'm like, oh, this is not going to be for me because they've put down like, cause that often feels like this super exclusive thing, right? This is our list of things you have to ascribe to, to be, a, to be one of us, to be in our tribe. Um, but I actually so love your um, beliefs that you have identified. And, you know, you talk about even <clears throat> at the beginning, like, we know that this is like, this is kind of a loaded idea to, to talk about any of these, but your beliefs are, um, you know, out there. And it is this idea, I think, of um, ritualizing relationship is deeply embedded in who Launchpad is. And you both have spoken about that. Um, but I love this last belief that you have on your website. Rituals are good for the soul. We believe the tradition of Christianity, while fraught with baggage, still offers practices and rituals that are good for the flourishing of the soul. We encourage the development of fresh practices of faith to complement some of the rich traditions of Christianity through which we came. And I think so interesting for me, Erin, as for you as a person who's come um, not from the main line, I'm so glad, Marta, you pointed out what you did in response to what Erin said, like as a person who didn't come from the main line, um, traditional hymnity, um, you know, baptism, like whatever those, um, you know, what we, what I as a main line now for the last 20 years think of as what is, you know, sort of my rituals, they might not even be the rituals you need. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. there's this really interesting, um, I think we set up this dichotomy that is false mm -hmm. of, of what actually even tradition is um, sure. for any given person. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we're really asking people to talk about as we think about ritualizing relationship in um, the context of intersectional feminism, womanist theory, um, you know, all, all of these, um, these pedagogies that we're working with, like, what are some concrete ways that you as Launchpad partners um, actually allow shared wisdom, flattened structures, um, opening the platform to all, like, what are some ways that you are doing that um, and is it really like, I mean, I, I think probably embedded in this idea of ritualizing relationship. Yeah. Well, first of all, liturgy and, and traditional rituals are so triggering for so many of my queer siblings that, mm -hmm. you know, we start from a place of there's serious harm and trauma in, in our friend groups, in our families, in our world, um, because of, of the ways that the church has weaponized um, Christianity. Um, so we, we, we first wanna acknowledge that, that there are some, some hurt in the world because of that. Um, I, I think Jen and I, the, in, in many ways, um, we only have relationship um, like we, we have very little money. This world has very little money. This world has very little power. And so relationship is really the only thing that we, 
we do have. Um, so Jen and I spend hours uh, upon hours every month um, on Zoom calls uh, and uh, phone calls and text messages with people doing this work um, because in many ways that's the only thing we have to offer uh, is relationship. Um, I think, you know, we still, uh, going back to our values, we still uh, hold true to the, that the world needs, as we say on our website and in our mission statement, the world need, needs more inclusive, Jesus-following, anti-racist love and justice-generating communities. And we start from that place um, and don't throw out, we try not to throw out the, the good uh, from, from that, that conservative world and to bring that into this new space in fresh and interesting ways. Um, and it's been fun just to see across the board, you know, our, our partners in uh, New York City look very, very different than the ones in, uh, in Florida, for example. Um, there's, there's just drastic differences. And rituals and liturgy um, look very different. And it's been fun to watch what has worked in those individual contexts and what has not. And I don't know if there's a pattern yet. Well, I think that um, even just calling, um, you know, instead of calling them clients, like, you're the expert and they're the clients, you call yeah. yourselves partners. So I think that is the first really um, yeah. indicative sign that you are trying to do something a little bit different. I think the other thing, cause I went to your conference in Denver last week, it was an unconference yeah. and I really appreciated that. And so listeners out there, what they did was um, they did have, they did center um, you know, uh, brown bodies and voices and stories um, that sort of facilitated conversations, but really it was just like seeds being planted. And then we all had this shared wisdom among us that we were telling this story. And um, I felt like it was an intentional practice of flattening your structure and allowing um, the the voices and stories of all of us to be in conference together, to be um, leading alongside each other. And I don't know if I'm articulating that in exactly the way that you all would put that, but it was very different than other conferences I've been at where there has been clearly someone at the top that has been the expert telling me, um, a very specific model to them um, and probably not to me um, that is to be celebrated, um, which leaves me separate than the other, right? Um, so I don't know. I don't know if, if there's something about, I just wanted our listeners to hear that there is a very clear model that you are operating within. Well, and so, I mean, that was kind of born out of how we do these monthly, co well, these monthly calls that we're on every, every month, a support call is what we call them, which started really as soon as the pandemic started, we started collaborating with uh, another nonprofit called With Collective that sort of was born out of this movement of relationships and churches and 
we've all, some of us have known each other for 10 years. Some of us are just finding each other for the first time. And somehow we're just always amazed at how vulnerable and willing people are to open up. I know one uh, queer leader told us that it's because she knows when she shows up into these spaces, whether it's virtual or physically in the room together, that she doesn't have to worry about, you know, the person in the little box next to her making some small microaggression comment about her leadership. And she knows that she can show up and just fully be herself in these spaces, because as far as we know, we are the only organization that is fully LGBTQ affirming, committed to to anti-racism and further developing what it means to be inclusive in the world and, and coming from an evangelical or independent background, not from a, from a more mainline style, which makes a big difference about your ecclesiology, the way that you're approaching church, right? And so these online support calls really got started almost right away when the pandemic started. They were weekly for quite a while. And so we were all together as George Floyd, Floyd was murdered and as everyone was trying to figure out how to do Zoom church and one reckoning after another was happening in our country and in our world. And eventually we shifted them to just being for Launchpad and just being once a month. And we've been doing that now for, I think, 18 months. And we're just always amazed at how vulnerable and lovely those conversations are, how easy it is for people to, to just jump into it. And people have been have found colleagues from those calls, have um, found collaborators, have created new projects. I mean, all of the work that we do comes out of that. So that is that too is our talk about ritualizing relationship. As far as how we go about doing our work and being organizers and community builders in the world, that's it. We listen, we learn, we hear where the energy is, where the spirit is, if you want to use that language. And we connect people who are like-minded and who might share the same gifts or passions or have a need for each other in the world. And whether we're intentionally connecting them or not, it's happening. That energy is happening. And that's how good things are happening in the world. And that's how we figure out what we're supposed to be doing. That's how we hear, that's how we discern what Launchpad is supposed to be in the world by just listening and, and going with where the energy is. So that's kind of our whole motto, <laughs> our whole approach to all of it, I guess. <laughs> We are super grateful to both of you for the work that you're doing in the world and for taking this time to be with us and for um, just, you know, chatting with us about um, about your work specifically, but also about how, um, like I have this image of, you know, roots that are like branching out into, you, you have um, kind of roots stretching out all over, um, you know, Marx has started us with just identifying that we're all coming from different places right now. And um, I can see that um, that actually extends beyond just the four of us, um, which is super cool and connected into um, this idea. And, um, you know, I think it's really great for our listeners who we think um, mostly come from the more mainline um, Protestant denominations. Although, you know, um, our, our analytics don't necessarily tell us that. So maybe we have a, a reach that's a little bit different or a little more broad than we thought it was. Um, but I think it's really great for our listeners and certainly for me and Marta, I think you would agree to hear about these different um, perspectives and traditions, because I think even in our ideas of getting Jesus outside of the building, like 
we think we know what the building looks like, right? And um, that building is different for any community or um, any congregation for any individual. And so I think your um, ability to kind of bring that um, some alternating perspectives, but also similar is, is really cool. So um, yeah, we're, we're just super grateful to have this time with you. Thank you, Aaron and Jen. This has, this has been really good and I am excited to share your work with the world. It's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for both of you for giving us the opportunity. This is our first podcast together and you know, hopefully first of many, but yeah, thanks so much for giving us the chance to, to figure it out with you. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Join us next week for a conversation about ritualizing relationship in worship spaces. And don't miss the final episode of this season with Dr. Christina Cleveland, which drops on December 17th, 2022. If you like what you heard, please give the podcast a five-star rating and review. Also consider supporting the podcast at patreon.com backslash JHLTV. This podcast is made possible by the Rocky Mountain Conference of the United Church of Christ Tributary Fund. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and message us to learn how you can be part of this effort to tell stories, have conversations, build relationships, and follow Jesus out of the church and into the world.